You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on Max's Island, I'm joined by Paul Hanson. Paul, welcome to the island for the first time. Thanks, Tony. Glad to be here. Paul, all guests to Max's Island have the opportunity to tell a story of that time in their life where they did something perhaps against the grain, where they maybe followed a passion, or where the something in their life occurred that changed everything for them. Have you got that time in your life where that may have happened? and influenced what then proceeded? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess one of the defining moments, and it's one of the things that you, at, in the moment, choose not to talk about, and it's not until, you know, I'm recently retired and you're f- reflecting on a career and I can now consider the things that were very much career-defining moments. So I had a moment where I was very happily ensconced in a large organisation, working on a global project, doing lots of travel, you know, hitting all the marks, doing really well with everything. And then my world just imploded. My fabulous boss moved on to a new role in the corporate office and a new recruit came in. The new recruit decided that he didn't really like me that much, um, but didn't really have the courage to talk about that, so decided that he would take that out via some really unpleasant overt and covert bullying, which was really distressing at the time. And, you know, you like you convince yourself, I'm an educated woman, I've had a strong career, I'm well-respected in my field, I think. I'm quite, I like to think I'm quite articulate. i think that I stand up for myself fairly well but at the same moment I was just completely crushed by this whole experience so there was a there was a few things that I had the option to do Um, I had gone into the role with a plan for two years I'd recently mentally made the decision to stick with the business because I was enjoying the role so much and of course I then decided I'd reverse that decision so that was pretty tough to then walk away from the role that I'd spent a couple of years really building. I had great credibility within the business. It was just, um, yeah, it was a very unpleasant experience all around. So you mentioned that wasn't at the start of your career. That was a fair way into your career. So you would have experienced difficult situations and probably had 
difficult colleagues and had to have crucial conversations and all of those things. Absolutely. Why was this so different? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And it's, I think that was why I was so so traumatised by the whole experience. You're right. Like in at work, you have some people that you really take a shine to and others that, you know, you don't have them over to your house for a dinner party. But, you know, there you kind of find your way over time. You have bosses that you like and bosses that you don't like. And this is certainly not and not at the beginning of my career, absolutely kind of partway through a, a pivotal point in my career where I was on a trajectory for an executive type role and it was inexplicable. And I think I think what was really an issue and what was so different about it was the way that this individual just responded and was just so just so blatantly absolutely doing everything they possibly could to make sure that I was hacked off at the knees. It was, um, it was unbelievable. Was that not only directly to you from, from this person to you mm. in, in the workplace, but did it also involve this person influencing others and the general office environment to create barriers for you? Yeah, absolutely. They were creating barriers and they were taking situations and shifting the context on them and replaying them to other people with a different context, which is something that, you know, is um, people would come to me and say, oh, I've heard this. Is that true? Or something's happening and that's not quite right. Or I observed this in the meeting and, you know, are you okay? Interestingly, it wasn't just me that this person was targeting. So there was a, a small team of seven when he arrived. Um, I was the second to resign and move on. Another colleague had resigned and moved on for a better opportunity, but really it was like, I'm out of here. And within three months, five of the seven had moved to different roles. So there was, a, there was an issue. So was the bullying both explicit and implicit? Was there face-to-face -face verbal jousting as well as perhaps undermining with poor briefing, bad feedback, bad assessment? Yeah, it was, it was very much um, the bad, uh, bad reviews. It was very much the undermining, undermining and the implied and not giving, uh, not passing on vital information. So I mentioned I was working on a global project, so I was working with the executive overseas and had been for two years prior to this person starting in the role. And they didn't like the idea that the executive would come directly to me or that we would talk about project things and be decision-making around project goals and ideas, that they wanted everything to come through them and they wanted to have a say. And, you know, look, it's akin to the dog. He just, he just had to pee all over it to make it his own and he was not going to have a bar of me having had anything to do with the project. It was He was determined to turn it into an abject failure. How much was it, do you think, the personality potential I issues between you and, and him? Or do, do you think it was more about him and his aspirations to rise up the corporate ladder and he thought this was the way to do it that it was about being aggressive difficult hard yeah it, it's interesting because he was not he was he was culturally misaligned right from the very beginning within the organization 
and what's discovered, what was discovered, you know, sometime after and within a period of a few months. So the, he only lasted in the role about four months, but in that time, everybody had fled, including myself. Um, and what became apparent was this was this was um, repetitive behaviour that had been incurred in other large organisations. So, you know, like hats off to our system of, and particularly, you know, mining's bad for it, that we don't give the feedback, have the difficult conversations, people just get exited for yet another org restructure, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when you ring and do a reference check, what they say is, oh, yes, he worked here for that period and he left of his own accord. So you don't ever get to really get the nitty gritty. And of course, that flowed freely once he had been removed from the organisation some months later. It's pretty cold comfort, though, that he only lasted four months, but had effectively negatively impacted the careers of a number of people. Yeah. Did you immediately hold resentment when you found out that he'd left or, or were you sort of really disappointed that you'd been moved before him? Yeah, I think it was a real combi- combination of things. And the other piece to this story is that this was literally the dawning of the GFC. So I left a business, set up my own practice as a boutique consulting agency, 21 October 2008, which is the official date of the GFC. So there's me trying to establish myself, create a new business, knowing that large companies are turning off my OD projects left, right and centre because they didn't know what was happening. So that's in October. This guy gets moved from the business in, in January. So yeah, there was a lot of resentment. I did have my previous boss and the global HR director come and personally apologise on their next visits to to Perth, which was great and it sort of satisfies the ego, but it doesn't um, doesn't solve the problem of you've walked away from a financial benefit. And, you know, I was probably 12 weeks away from getting the annual bonus that I've just walked away from, etc. But what I really wanted to talk about with that is the the impact it has on you. Not like in the moment, it's traumatic. It's absolutely the most horrible thing you could experience. It's absolutely truly a ghastly experience to to go through. And I thought, because I'm you know a rational person, I'm kind of thinking, well, I'm going to resign. I want to start a business, and it will move on. In my mind, I'm thinking, well, I won't make a fuss. I know where he is. And while he's there, he won't be interacting with my potential customers. So, you know, that's a good thing. I kind of, you know, friends close, enemies closer. I kind of knew where he was. So it was a bit sad when he got got let go in such a short period of time. So that was kind of one thing. What I wanted to say was it's the, the long-term impact. The short-term impact in your head, you think, I'm going to resign. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to put all my energy into that and I will be good to go in no time. The reality is that it's probably a six to 12 month recovery. It's like absolutely blew me away about how long it actually took to recover from that experience. Now I know that 2008 isn't that long ago, but the cultural experience in in business, corporate, in mining, around mentorship and collegiate support probably wasn't that strong or not as strong then as it is today. So was that something that also perhaps was missing 
that you you were left to your own devices and you had to to work to your own circle of friends or um, and and were they there for you yeah so i guess um I mean, the really sad thing about this is my role at the time was leadership capability manager, and there was a complete lack of leadership <laughs> was the cause the of... The irony of it. The yeah. irony of it, exactly. So I was reporting to a director. He reported to a president. There was a very small local team. I got support out of the corporate office, but you were largely just on your own as an individual contributor. I didn't have a team working for me which would have you know that would have been really awful to have had to have shielded a team from that behavior would have been really quite traumatic yeah support networks were there but they were largely external from my industry colleagues and people that were working in the same industry that had um, that, that were able to step in I did have a lot of support from one particular friend who was able to step in and help me take a breath step back and like just evaluate which way, where do you want to go with this? So at the time, HR internally in the business was a very mature HR lady and she just said, if I was you, I'd ignore this and move on because it always it always sticks to everybody. The person who was the nominated bullying and harassment advocate within the business was somebody who was given the job because somebody had to do it and they were a low low level employee a pleasant enough person but they just didn't have the bench strength to kind of you know fight your battle for you I found out too late that there was advocates other advocates that I could have approached but they weren't they weren't published and they weren't visible and it was all a bit yeah so so certainly at that time the the maturity around supporting colleagues was was not probably like it is now but also the fact that things weren't visible Mm. meant that it fell on on you to work your own way through it Mm. absolutely so you you sort of implied about sort of mud sticking from a corporate sense was there any obvious pushback from the sector when you tried to you know as i said you gave yourself that time to to regroup but when you went back and into the coalface was there any acknowledgement of the situation or, or were you or your reputation impacted at all? I was really lucky that the short answer is no. I was working in mining and the company I was working for was in gold and in Perth's a bit of an iron ore town. I'd previously worked in iron ore and I was offered a, a really big project in iron ore that well, led to other really quite large iron ore projects that I was involved in for years and years. So it was kind of like a a really nice hiatus away from it. I've never worked in gold again, never been back to the sector. It's quite different, quite unique in the sense that it's it's very, very different, very volatile. So, you know, in when you work in gold, you learn about, um, they always talk about the mine life. How long is this mine going to last for? And it's always measured in, you know, five, seven, ten years, etc when you work in iron ore the life of mine something like you know 300 years so it's it's not part of the vernacular that it is in in gold so very different culture very different level of volatility so you mentioned before that you'd you know had a successful career leading up to that i know you're a confident person how was it personally to 
again, get back on the horse. And the, the level of resilience that you had immediately, or did that take some years or some months or years to build up again to the point where you were, I guess, intuitively con- uh, confident again? Yeah, I think it took years to be intuitively confident. There was, there was lots of self-doubt and that huge amount of, well, am I really imposter and was I really as bad as this person made out? I had a good friend working in another consulting practice that immediately knew that I was available instantly asked me to do some work. So that was kind of straight back on the horse, which was good. Then other work sort of came available once once we kind of got through that October to January period of the GFC and people started to realise that it wasn't going to impact Australia and mining sector, particularly iron ore, in the same way that it impacted lots of other sectors that wasn't quite so critical. But yes, it was kind of like a bit of a step away and a bit of a sidestep, I guess, if you like. At any point in time, did you contemplate more than just a sidestep? and a complete about face and and moving into a totally different area and sort of starting and rebuilding a, a different career? No, I didn't. I I didn't because I think fundamentally I knew I was I was okay, that I knew that from a technical perspective I knew what I was doing. I understood leadership. I understood leadership development and, you know, org development. That was my career area and I knew it well and I knew that there were things I was doing which is part of the reason I went to work for this company in the first place is that they had secured me from Perth to work on a global project for them in Canada to do some design work because they hadn't been able to find and source those skills locally. So I knew that I had a unique skill set and I knew that I was pretty good at doing what I was doing in that design area. Over the last 10 years or so, have you ever experience though some of that doubt when things have got a little tough or when you've had to have some perhaps been involved in some crucial conversations may not have been to the level of bullying Mm. but uh, you know situations where you might have gone oh actually I, I do question myself were you alert to that a lot more I think so I I think that you're always alert to it it's there's always that niggling doubt about whether you can achieve this or whether you can do it you know and you've always got to talk to the monsters inside about which way it's it's going to fly and then you have you know have a great project or you have a great few weeks and I don't know the dynamics change it's um, I, you know I did a lot of facilitation in my career and you would do a, a piece of work with the same plan theoretically a similar group and you'd have a fabulous few days workshop and then you'd you know rerun that same workshop with a different audience the following week and it would be a whole different experience sometimes flat sometimes great it was just uh, you kind of learnt that that repetitiousness of that type of work is um, very much dependent on on a whole bunch of variables not just me from that experience was there any particular change in the way you worked to protect yourself so that you didn't get exposed you know was did you have early alerts in your mind and analyze people that you didn't know that were crucial to the role that you were playing yeah and, and you were sort of alert to them I, I think I'd always done that because that was you know part of the work that I was doing was all about people reading and lots of um, behavioral profile tools that I'm accredited in and use so there was always that kind of sense of alertness and sensitivity to it and I did towards the end of my career 
take a role where um, during COVID. So I, I took a role during COVID, a full-time role, which I hadn't worked full-time. I'd been just, you know, consulting and winding down. And then I thought, well, maybe I need to, I'm going to have to battle out COVID before I retire. And took a role with a, within a team, large team, about 500 people. I was part of a small technical team. The, the general manager of that group had these really, really ugly behaviours at the time. And it was... It was interesting to watch it from the sidelines to be able to watch that person manipulating and doing some really subliminal bullying of others and it was yeah it was pretty toxic to what to watch but it was like having this out-of-body experience because it wasn't directly impacting me I could just watch it from a distance and I could manage it and control it from a distance. So the management was managing yourself in that environment mm. did you offer any advice to the, the victims that you were observing from afar I did I did there was a couple of people that approached me based on the role that I was in at the time and wanted to talk about it and I was able to talk to them about a personal experience and um, even just quite recently I had a cup of coffee with a friend a lady I know from a completely different area I know from art not from corporate life and in that conversation, it kind of emerged that um, she'd had a similar experience to the one that I had had and had stepped away and is currently having a bit of a career change for her. But what was interesting is that she'd said oh, how, how helpful it was for us to have a conversation about that because when you're the victim, it's not about pity or it's really absolutely empathy because it's like well I can appreciate how really horrible this is and it will get better but like it's going to take time don't jump to this idea that it's not going to take a bunch of time to to get there and for me because I wanted to pursue a career I was just wanted to forget about this and move on like I wanted to forget about the business the man the name <laughs> the, the everything because I just couldn't it, it's only you know, when I was chatting to you about it, that I've really spoken about it openly because I just didn't want to give it oxygen. I wouldn't mind your opinion, and you've covered your experience and and I've sort of reflected back on the time, mm. 20, uh, 2008, and implied that maybe things are, are better now and that we're more attuned to empathy and understanding people's situation. Do you reckon that actually is more talk than action and that underneath the facade there's still those people that that thrive and survive being narcissistic and wrecking others careers for their own purpose i do i think the pool is getting smaller i call them the dinosaurs roaming around in the top paddock lots of organizations still have the dinosaurs roaming around some of those dinosaurs are not as easily spotted as you might think they become quite skilled at at covering their tracks I guess it absolutely exists I think the legislation that now is been in place since about October last year is coming up for 12 months around the psychosocial impacts will make a difference you know for me I was clinically depressed as an impact of my experience and my big defining moment was that if I had to take a pill to go to work, I really shouldn't be going to work. Something had to, something had to change. That was just an absolutely ridiculous thing to have to, to, to do. 
So I would hope that in the current era, people are not doing that. But, you know, we have EAP providers, have lots of other avenues of independent people you could speak to. My experience was it was a smallish team. There really wasn't anyone internally that I could speak to. There were some people I knew that I didn't necessarily know if I could trust. That was the other kind of complexity to it. But, you know, I hope that in this current era, I know that people are speaking up. I know the large, the, the major miners around town all have their various anonymous email trails, I guess, if they call, I don't know what you would call it, where you can, you can make your claim and put forward your issue and then that becomes... I mean, it has to become investigated, so people have to be named at some point, otherwise nothing can be can be done about it. Um, but I have seen in one of the organisations that I've consulted to, I do know that they had removed probably three or four quite senior managers from roles for inappropriate conduct, you know, the way they spoke to their team members, um, the things they asked people to do, like it was, it was a real turning of the guard that people would be removed from role for speaking badly um, and behaving badly instantly out the door. And I, I know firsthand of probably four senior people that have been exited for, for that. Yeah, so it appears that there is real change. Paul, just as we wind up your visit to the island... Mm. You've spoken openly about the way it personally affected you, but in your career sense, Mm -hmm. outside of your career and the work that you did, did that episode influence out-of-work activities? Did it allow you to focus on other pastimes? Did you feel like you needed to look for other things to distract you from your career? No, it was a very intensive experience. I've always had a bit of a work-life balance Thing where I've tried to do it very well. My husband is very good at work-life balance. I've always been pretty, you know, I get caught up in the moment of a really interesting piece of work and, you know, could easily become a workaholic, I think. So I think the, the work-life balance is important. What I did learn, not necessarily from that episode, but through other things. So, um, you know, I like to do a bit of amateur art and what I've worked out is that I get my creativity doesn't have to come from work where sometimes it does but it doesn't have to come from work so I now kind of reflect and think on projects that I've worked on and it's like if the project's fairly structured I won't call it boring but if the if it's structured and I'm not getting a sense of creativity from the work that I'm doing then I notice that my art practice ramps up and you know they they switch around a bit that conscious awareness of that seesawing and balancing is a, a really strong trait to have. We talk to a lot of people on Max's Island who have had career changes or um, hard times in their career and often changes in, in the workplace or in their career or the trajectory of their career is coupled with some, some creativity, mm. some creative outlets some creative inputs that allows them to, to balance their life. So it, it sounds like you were able to, to do that, and that was probably pretty helpful over the last 15 years or so mm. coming out of this uh, bullying episode. Yeah. Paul, thanks very much for sharing your story to the listeners on Max's Island. 
Thanks, Tony. Great to have uh, been part of your we island experience. On the way home from work, he was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, all work and no play. And how, how had it turned out this way? He told me his plan, a short-term escape. Sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. 